0: Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision.
1: Now a controversial conversation ahead, one you can join into and we are going to be talking specifically about our Christian faith, about the gospel message, the gospel that we carry, the gospel that we believe. We'll talk about the quality of the gospel message that we carry. Well, very few of us will disagree that the message of the good news of God's salvation of lost sinners through the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross is the central element of being reconciled to God. For the repentant sinner who believes, the promise is that by God's grace we are saved, not because of our own righteousness, but because God has provided his own perfect sacrifice who bore the punishment that we as sinners deserved. So, what could go wrong with the proclamation? Or what could go wrong in the understanding of a message like that? Has it occurred to us that many of the elements of the message of the gospel have meanings that are founded in the first century Jewish culture? How long does it take for the typical Aussie to understand the message of the gospel? Are we to be mindful of misunderstandings and distortions in the proclamation of the message? Or are they sometimes in the understanding of the receiver of the message? And what if something goes astray? Does it mean the possibility of a false conversion? Oh, that's getting into the deep waters, isn't it? That's getting into controversial territory Because we might all be thinking about our own conversion and thinking, what are they saying on the radio today? Well, I'm going to say that there may be no right or wrong answers in some of the things that might get discussed over this next hour, apart from the fact that we might, at the end of it, and hopefully, uh, be more confident in this message of the gospel and the message that we received. Well, Stu Miller is the founder of Train to Proclaim. He's into equipping Christian believers to be effective carriers of this gospel message to fulfill that great commission that Jesus gave us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And so, Stu Miller, let me say a special welcome back to 2020. Great to be back, Neil. Well, we are diving into deep waters today because as soon as we say those words, Stu, false conversions, mm. uh, the result of a false or a half gospel, uh, we all reflect on the message that we ourselves responded to. Uh, you know, let's uh, just talk about this uh, in generally before we uh, really dive into some more deep waters and uh, pull this to pieces because uh, ought we be concerned that there are some false conversions and there may be even those who are sitting in church who haven't believed or they've believed a distorted gospel. What are your thoughts? I definitely think that's the case now.
2: <laughs> I mean, I think uh, I'm not quite sure on on the exact uh, percentage. It's something like 53%, I think, in the last census of people in Australia identified with a denomination of some sort, you know, in, in, in one respect is saying, I'm a Christian, you know, because they've, they've identified with a denomination, something like that. I think it was 57, the previous one to that. Um, but that's a lot of people over half of Australia saying, well, basically I'm a Christian. But I think we'd all agree that half of Australia is not Christian at all by the definition that the Bible gives, that, that what the gospel would say a Christian is. So if we don't define what a Christian is, then it can be anything. Um, I know my own parents, uh, you know, have always said, oh, oh I'm, I'm a Christian. And they, they, in their mind, they think, I believe in God and I'm a good person. Therefore, I'm a Christian. And that, of course, is not the definition of a Christian. But if it's not defined, then many people in our society just say, I'm
1: a Christian. Sometimes we might give a terminology to that uh, Mm -hmm. with the idea of a cultural Christianity and we can reflect on Mm -hmm. our own historic culture in Australia which has been founded on Christianity Mm -hmm. and uh, when you grow up in that, of course, you identify as Christian and uh, there would be a generation or two gone by Mm -hmm. who would have said, of course, Australia is a Christian nation. People Mm -hmm. don't refer to Australia as a Christian nation now. So when you say, you know, 52% in the census... uh, have ticked the, the Christian box. Mm. We're actually thrilled with that being the case. Mm. That people will identify with being Christian, yes. or what they're really saying is they're aligning with Christianity, yes. and that might be a little bit different to saying I am a personal responder to the gospel. That's right. Uh, this is where you're identifying the difference.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And we, we would we would laugh at the fact that people are identifying with uh, Christianity, but. All things being equal, you know, people thinking I'm a Christian, therefore I'm going to heaven, you know. And if you were randomly to select, you know, ten people on the street and say five of them, based on the statistics, you'd say, well, are you going to heaven when you die? I would pretty much guarantee you'd have at least five of them saying, oh, yes, of course, I'm a good person, <laughs> and so they naturally think I'm, I'm going to heaven because I'm a good person, you know, rather than um, it's through what Jesus has done for me on the cross and because of my response to that and repentance and faith, that uh, the reason that I'm actually forgiven and have eternal life. So it's quite a different thing to, to what's in a lot of people's minds. And I think um, because of that, that the gospel, it's so important that we as Christians communicate the gospel because unless we define what a Christian is and we define what salvation is, then people think they're saved. They think they're on their way to heaven. And it's, a, it's actually a crisis in our nation. We sort of look at overseas, Neil, and we go, you know, let's go on a short-term missions trip to to India or Pakistan or this place or this place and, uh, you know, the deepest, darkest jungle in Africa. But then we've got on our own back door, we've got a whole lot of people who in their mind, they think, I'm going to heaven, I'm okay with God, and they're not. And there's going to be a big shock on Judgment Day. And so we've got I think, a huge responsibility and a huge opportunity here in Australia to actually proclaim the the true gospel and so that people understand what a Christian actually is.
1: There's a lot of controversy around what we might describe as beliefs and behaviors because Mm -hmm. uh, there might be those who are believers and their behavior aligns with that belief because, Mm -hmm. hey, they might be a part of their local church. They're building the local Uh, expression of faith Mm. in their community and we can sort of and we tend to Mm. make this judgment that those who are a part of the local church doing something useful and worthwhile with the gospel in their community, that they are the ones who are the true believers. Then you've got the ones who are saying, well, I'm a believer, but I'm not really associated with that church. Mm. They might have all sorts of problems with the people that go along to that church, but they're no longer doing something active in that expression in the community. And there is a sense here in which uh, we might understand that as people – and I'm just getting to a point where just to reflect on where Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Mm. So there is a certain sense in which you hope that someone who has responded to Jesus says, I love Jesus. Yes. But the expression of their life might actually look otherwise because mm. they are not. Being obedient to his commands. Mm. What, what are your thoughts on just how significant you can get this? We can get a, get very messy here. Can't
2: <laughs> it, it could get very messy here. Now, <laughs> I think there's a real balance there. There's a there's a you know a hyper grace element out there that people would just go look. You know, if you've you've called on the name of the Lord, you shall be saved, and it doesn't matter what you do. It's just about you know it's uh, you, you you know you're saved by grace, and your works don't matter at all. Um, and then there's others that are. You know, want to put a whole lot of extra, you know, uh, additions to the faith on, and and that's more Pharisaical things. You know, like you've got to do this, you've got to do this, you've got to do this. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. I mean, it, like going going to McDonald's doesn't make you a hamburger. It just doesn't work that way, right? But if you are a true Christian, then a tree is known by its fruit. And like you say, Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. So the evidence of you. Uh, responding in faith and being saved by grace is that you actually your life will change and continue to change for the rest of your life. You're not you're not saved by doing anything or by changing. You're saved completely through Christ. But the evidence should be there. A tree is known by its fruit. Martin Luther once said, uh, "No root, no fruit. No fruit, no root." And uh, it sort of. <laughs> you know, is a, is a good expression to ex- explain that.
1: Some people might say I'm taking a humble position on this mm. and uh, I'm not letting my works be seen by everybody else to sure. make a judgment. So, uh, you know, you're looking at my life and, uh, hey, you're judging me because perhaps I'm not... A part of that local church expression. I'm not building the kingdom in my community in the way that you're describing. But hey, you know, I'm being generous. I'm giving to this mission, or Mm -hmm. I'm giving to that uh, opportunity Mm -hmm. to, you know, to help sites being restored, like uh, our uh, our program yesterday with the miracles day. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a certain sense people can be committed to Mm -hmm. some things, but they're not necessarily, you know, uh, doing that in the sense of the way we think of an association of believers uh, that might demonstrate their faith. So there is a certain sense some might say mm. it's a bit secret for me.
2: Yeah, well, I, I think, you know, Jesus brought that out with the Pharisees because they were all about the outward appearance and about looking good before men. But, you know, inside they were, you know, whitewashed tombs. You know, they they. so he, he's like, hey, you're hypocrites. You know, you, you're doing all the external stuff. But in your heart, you're not in the right place, and you're not, you know, actually doing the the, the secret things that you should be doing, you know. And so, um, whilst a tree is known by its fruit, and there should be evidence of of following Christ in our lives. Um, it, I'm not talking about the religious, customary things that you have to do to be a good Christian today. You know, uh, that's seen on the outside. Because I think Jesus coming today could have some harsh words to say to all of us in church as well about our rituals and and uh, customs that we sort of uh, attach holiness to when He's looking for you know righteousness and love and mercy and and grace in our lives and that sort of thing
1: let's come back to these very contentious words the idea that there might be a false conversion mm. and whose fault that might be because this is an interesting aspect I think to pick up on because mm-hmm. uh, you could have three ways here uh, that I can ascertain you can have a fault you could have a problem with the message
2: mm-hmm.
1: you could have a problem with the proclaimer of the message mm-hmm or you could have a problem with the receiver of the message. Mm. And we know that there's lots of things that could go wrong with all of those aspects. So if we're talking about a false conversion, uh, where would we allocate blame here, Stu? Where I put you on the spot. (laughs) Well, um, it wouldn't be with God. I
2: know that. (laughs) He's not the problem. (laughs) He's not the problem. But if you were to look at those three, I would have to say uh, the major contributor would be Not getting the message right, and the reason I'd say that is that if the if the proclaimer's in a right place and presenting it with love, with grace, and he's presenting the true gospel message, then someone who gets respond uh, responds to that message and responds based on that message would be, you know, generally speaking, a, a, a true convert. It's when the message gets distorted that's when you're likely to have someone ge- actually genuinely respond to a message. The recipient might be in the right place, but if, for, for example, repentance hasn't been preached and we just said, oh, just pray a prayer and ask Jesus to forgive you and you're all okay. Well, that's the information that the receiver has got. That's all, all he's going on or she's going on. So if that's, What you're going on, then that's what you respond to. And you could be a false convert because you haven't actually surrendered your life over to Jesus. You haven't actually made him Lord all your life. You haven't repented. There's a whole element that's there. And you cannot receive him as Savior without making him Lord. So he's Savior and Lord. And so, yeah, I would say that the, the critical part is the message.
0: A biblical perspective on life, culture, and current events. This is 2020.
1: On Vision Christian Radio. Stu Miller from Train to Proclaim is our guest. Our talkback line open 1 800 316 316, talking about the possibility of even a false conversion. Uh, in responding to a half gospel, you might like to contribute one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. 316 316 Leave a note on our Facebook page too. Stu, before we take any calls, let me just ask you as to a biblical Christian believer... Mm-hmm. How do we actually ascertain what the important elements of the gospel might be? Because mm-hmm. if we're talking about delivering a half gospel or a distorted gospel, perhaps mm-hmm. we need to have a biblical foundation for what the gospel actually is. Mm-hmm. How do you explain that when you're talking to groups? Uh, well, I... um.
2: If if you do a study on what the scholars say the gospel is, they've they've looked at the book of Acts where the you know the apostles went around preaching, and they and every one of those messages is different in you know, Ephesus and Marsou and all you know, all these places. But they've analysed those messages, uh, this gospel message that's been proclaimed, and the same ingredients keep coming back every time. And uh, even though it's you know said differently to the culture, uh, the same ingredients sin. We're sinners, we've broken God's laws. Righteousness, our righteousness is filthy rags, we need his righteousness, we need to receive his righteousness. Uh Judgment, there is going to come a judgment, you will stand before God, you're accountable for your actions. Uh, and then Jesus as the answer to the problem. Jesus is Saviour, his death on the cross, his resurrection, uh, he died for our sins, he paid the punishment for the things that we've done wrong. But then the final thing, the fifth element, is Jesus is Lord. And that's what I touched on before is that we cannot receive him as saviour without having him as lord so we need to surrender our lives to him we need to make a commitment to turn away from sin now repentance isn't just turning from sin it's also turning to god it's rightly aligning ourselves with god again so uh, they, they would be the five elements that I bring out sin righteousness judgment Jesus as saviour Jesus as lord John sixteen eight, uh, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit coming to earth and he says and when he comes he shall convict the world of guilt in regard to sin righteousness and judgment so very much fits into that scripture there as well.
1: If we're looking at a passage of scripture that might sum up some Mm -hmm. of the elements that you're talking about, and uh, I know that uh, you're very familiar with 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Absolutely. Uh, Let me just read a little bit here of what the Apostle Paul says, and Mm -hmm. uh, this is an NIV uh, translation, but Paul says, and I'll just read about the first eight verses or so. And he was buried and that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. He goes on then to talk about uh, issues around the resurrection, and that's Mm. where our foundation of faith comes, because if Christ didn't rise, our faith is in vain. That's right. But there's a very, very nicely encapsulated mm. uh, presentation of what the gospel is supposed to look like. Yeah. Uh, and that's an important foundation to have and it's there written in the absolutely. scriptures, 1 Corinthians 15. Absolutely, yeah. So let's take some calls. Let's hear from Anne in Labrador. Hello Anne, welcome along.
3: Yes, um, I think sometimes that in the church they don't always uh, speak the gospel absolutely. Sometimes they water down just to please the. The, the people who come, and so that way they don't really get the full meaning of the gospel to share with people. So when that happens, they don't really understand to share with it so that they know you know, exactly um, what the gospel means and how to be saved. Uh,
1: good thoughts there, Anne. What are your response for Anne there, uh, Stu?
2: I think you're absolutely right, Anne, and I think, unfortunately, uh, this is happening more and more today where the gospel is being watered down, and like you say, I mean, if, if that's what people hear, that's what sort of gets passed on and becomes part of the culture of the church. That you know, this watered down gospel, rather than the the true gospel. And so that's why I think it's incredibly important that we we look at the scriptures and go, "Well, what is the true gospel? Are we proclaiming it in full? Are we doing it in a culturally relevant way, in a way that people understand? And uh, are we being very careful not to water it down?" I will say, as an evangelist, I feel. An immense pressure to produce results. You know, pastors are often saying to me, you know, you know, that G7 app you've got. Well, what results are you getting, Stuart? Yeah, yeah. And, and so, you know, and if I speak at a, an outreach event, you know, in front of a whole lot of people, people want to see, you know, people at the front of an altar call or people raising their hand responding to the gospel. But that's the recipient's response to the gospel. I cannot control that. It's God working in someone's heart. I cannot respond for them. All I can do is present the full gospel message. Now, I would say that there's a lot of pressure on people who do proclaim the gospel, particularly evangelists, to water down the gospel to get a result. Because it's a lot easier if you say, "Who wants to go to heaven?" Everyone sticks their hand up. God bless you. You're (laughs) saved. You know, like if you make it really easy, you can get lots of people up at the front of a church or raising their hand, and people go, "Oh, that, that evangelist is so anointed. Look at all these people responding." But so there's a temptation there to water down the message and make it easy for people rather than to preach the full gospel message. And I think we've got to be, personally, I would rather have one person give their life to Christ in a year than thousands uh, of of false converts that think they're Christians when they're not just because I've I've presented it in in a really wrong way.
1: Thank you so much, Anne, from Labrador for your call. Our talkback line is open on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. 316 316 Before we take another call, a little terminology that I haven't heard talked about for quite a long time that you're making some reference to here. Mm-hmm. There used to be a popular thing that people would talk about called easy believism, mm-hmm. And uh, when you say, you know, who wants to go to heaven? Put your hand up and, yep. uh, okay, you're saved. Well, uh, mm-hmm. that would probably indicate to any ordinary uh, sound-thinking person that perhaps those people haven't responded in a personal, determined, uh, intentional way to actually be a follower of Christ. And so you have to avoid or at least uh, look for some deeper elements other than this sort of idea of easy believism. Absolutely, because unless you enter into the responsibilities of becoming a Christian, you'll
2: never experience the benefits and uh and that's the the lord and savior part of the gospel message but unless you you know surrender your life to Christ as lord you'll never have the benefit of of him you know as your savior eternal life and uh, and all the rest of the things that come with it.
1: And interestingly, and that's a big conversation, and we've had these sorts of ones mm. before, but uh, of course, beyond that moment we first believe, it's not just about an eternal life mm-hmm. with our salvation in Christ, mm. but it's also the transformed life on the journey mm. here on earth. And uh, that's of course a wonderful conversation to have about what happens in the life of a transformed believer. Let's take another call. Newitt is on the line from Adelaide in South Australia. Hello, Newitt. Welcome.
4: Yes, yes, welcome. Um, Thank you, Neil. I just want to share something about sharing the gospel. And um, I'm so excited when I heard you quoted uh, 1 Corinthians 15 about, you know, the gospel that saved us, that that Christ died for our sin and we were buried and that was the scripture. Actually, I've been sharing gospel just out on the bus anywhere.
0: Right. When right. God
4: bring me a divine appointment. And I have learned that God had prepared the heart of the person before, uh,
5: before it yes. would be on
4: my on my path, you see. My experience was I I self taught artist and I experienced seven years of um, severe fatigue which I got shut away. But that was a time where God came and revealed to me in some many deep way and I painted a whole collection of Christ on earth, right through from the cross, the crown of thorns, resurrection, everything. So I got a couple of my paintings now printed into cards, and I got the cross with 316, and the chorus, you know, and the one that's something beautiful, something good, I don't know, you know that chorus.
1: Yeah, In I that do.
4: card, and also Matthew... 11. Newet, we're going to
1: go to news in about 30 seconds. I'm going to cut you a little bit short, and I know this is a big uh, issue. But Newt was saying that people are being prepared in advance when mm. she shares the gospel. A
2: very quick response from you, Stu. Uh, absolutely, God is at work in people's lives, and He's the major player here. Sometimes we think it's all about us, um, but it's about. The, uh, the power of the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit moving in someone's heart and life. And we're just a, a minor player planting a seed in someone's life, but it's beautiful to be a part of what God's doing.
1: Let's hear from Stephen in Ormiston in Queensland. Hello, Stephen. Welcome along. Hello. How are you going? Good, Stephen. What are your thoughts for our conversation today?
5: Well, I think we're, we're a church doesn't get into the Bible um, as, as the uh, opening part of the sermon. It's something to be very wary of. Um, I know a lot of churches uh, shy away from the Book of Revelation or Daniel, and to me, it's not something that should be shied away from. I Um, I mean, my pastor, and I think he's. No, I know he's not supposed to put pastors up on a pedestal, but the way in which he presents it, he opens up the what the, um, what the sermon is going to be about and how will then go through the Bible verse and then show what it means so that people got that have never been into church have got a, an understanding of what the Bible... Mm.
1: You means raise some really interesting points here, Stephen, because, of course, what happens in church is not always about the actual salvation gospel message, although so many pastors will incorporate that message onto the end of a message that they might have about all other elements of Christian spirituality. And so, of course, there's not going to be an in-depth explanation every time. But what you're saying, really important, because you're saying that the biblical foundation, if the preacher in church is not Mm. actually using a biblical foundation, well, then it should have a little bit of a cautionary aspect of it because uh, you never know where you're hearing, uh, what what sort of message you're hearing. Stu, Mm. what are your thoughts for Stephen?
2: Stephen, I, I think you're right. I think, um, and the fact that the Bible warns so many times against false gospels, um, similarly, when we're in church, we've, we've, you know, if we're not hearing the Bible preached, uh, and it's not founded on the Bible, then I think there's a problem. And you've got the tendency to have false messages or false gospels come through. Uh, so if we want to stay strong in, you know, in, in the word and, uh, in what we believe, then we've got to, we've got to get back to the Bible. And I think it is a shame today that I think some churches have gone down a route where they're, they're trying, I think they've got a good heart. They want to really be relevant to the community and want to be comfortable for people coming to the services, but they end up, in a sense, watering down the messages to such a degree that it's almost like a Dr. Phil talk with a scripture tacked on the end rather than, you know, a, a, a sermon about the Bible. So, um, I'm not I'm not a completely opposed to topical messages and I preach on evangelism of course all the time as an evangelist that's my main thing that I speak about in churches but there's got to be a lot of scripture behind that and you've you've got
1: to be solid in in the word. Okay, thank you so much Stephen from Ormiston. Let's take another call. Anita is in Bowen in Queensland. Hello Anita, welcome.
3: Hi. How are you?
1: Good Anita. <laughs> what are your thoughts for our conversation?
3: um yeah so i was just driving and i heard um that you you guys uh, shared the declaration of the gospel yep. um and that's very important for a believer um to really understand um that this is this is what paul was declaring to the church he was declaring that this is the gospel we live by today yeah we are yep. saved by grace ephesians 2 mm-hmm. for, for, for by grace you are saved through faith and yes. that's not of yourselves; it is a gift from god so, a gift is something that we are given freely. It's not something that God, God needs us to earn. So, the gospel that we live under today, and we should be preaching, is the gospel of grace. And it's very important for the people in the church to understand the dispensations um, period of the um, gospel. And you can find that in Acts thirteen, Acts thirteen to thirty-nine. Have a read up um, from verse sixteen to thirty-nine, and that is the dispensation of the gospel. Paul actually um, rebuked Peter to the fa- to his face um, in just uh, I think two scriptures up, a couple of scriptures up, because the church was still pe- preaching the the gospel of uh, John
2: of repentance. We don't live under to
3: repentance it. today. We live under grace for grace grace. Is the gospel that we're supposed to be preaching today, and it's uh, it's really important for the church and everybody that has a heart for God to understand the dispensation and why God disp- 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 um, dispended that that time um, that gospel for that time, and then that was fulfilled. When Jesus came, He fulfilled the law. So when He fulfilled the law, He He um, put away the law. Yes, yeah, going to the cross, we all believe that. But it's important that we are sharing grace because it's the love of Christ. It's believing in what Jesus
1: did. Anita, Jesus you've got some great thoughts in all of that. Uh, response from Stu.
2: Yeah, absolutely. We're saved by grace through faith, and it's not of works. It's a gift of God. Let's know, you know anyone boast. And uh, that's absolutely true. That we, we can do nothing to earn our way into salvation, earn our way into heaven. Uh, salvation is completely through what Jesus has done on the cross. But in the same token, There's a response that we need to have to the gospel that means that we align ourselves with God. We make Him God of our life. You know, repentance is is turning away from sin and turning to God, and that's a hard attitude thing. So, by doing those actions, we cannot be saved. But if our heart is changed in the process, then our lives will change over time. And so I guess I'm not sure whether you were, uh, you know, speaking about something of that we mentioned before, but there's a real balance here, uh, that some people, uh, hyper grace. And it's it, you know you don't need to do anything you can just live a rip, reprobate life and you know do whatever you like and and got you know if you've just prayed the prayer you're in I know people like that who believe that and and that's a tragedy and the other side is people adding a whole lot of burdens and saying you've got to do this 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 and this otherwise you're not saved both are extremes I think we've got to be watchful for and say we are completely saved by grace but if we are saved by grace truly saved then our lives will change and we will, Jesus said if you love me you'll obey my commands so both
1: of those are true Thank you so much to Anita from Bowen our talk back line is open 1-800-316-316 we're talking about the idea of possibility of false conversion with a half gospel today. You might have your own thoughts. 1 eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. 316. In over the years, Stu, uh these types of issues come up and I'm mm. and I've I've settled in my own mind uh, just how you make sense of being saved by grace Mm. and yet not doing away with law. Now, some people say, oh, we're only saved by grace, we're not saved by the law. That's absolutely true. Mm. It is by grace we are saved through faith, Mm. not according to works and the law. What people tend not to appreciate, and I think what brings us really wonderful context, Mm. is that while we are saved by grace... We can't influence the governance of the land by grace. We mm-hmm. influence the governance of the land by law. Whose sure. law? God's law. Mm. The very same law that we would be judged against. Sure. And so there's a wonderful context to bring into that, which I think uh, sometimes sets people's mind mm. at ease because mm. there is a debate that goes on about mm. uh, what Place law and what place grace? And of course, we are solidly, sound by, uh, found, uh, yeah, saved, saved by, by God's grace. grace. Yeah, uh, we're but taking court. Hauls- Sorry. Yep.
2: Yeah, I'm just you know Acts two thirty eight. I was sort of reminded of on the d- day of Pentecost, where you know Peter stands up and, and preaches, and, and it says that the people there were cut to heart, and the, that they realised the sin that they had you know uh, crucified the Messiah, and they they said, brethren, what must we do to be saved? And he says, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, that's a fantastic scripture there. Uh, repentance is the gateway to salvation. And so although we're completely saved through grace, there's nothing we can do to be saved. It's all through what Jesus has done on the cross. Our response to the gospel has to be one of repentance, which is not workspace, but it starts in the heart, but will result in a change in our life. John Stott says that repentance is a change of mind and attitude which leads to a change of behaviour. And I think that's a great quote from from John Stott because it's it perfectly reflects the fact that it's it's not the the doing, it's the hard attitude, but it leads to that change of behaviour.
1: Taking calls one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen let's hear from Annie in Brisbane. Hello, Annie, welcome. Yes, hello, good morning. Annie, what are your thoughts?
5: Well, I've been listening to you this morning, and I noticed that you're quite clearly saying, "To be saved, you must one must believe in the work of Christ." Uh,
1: yep, sure. I think uh, the mm-hmm. death of Christ, bearing our sins, uh, in taking that punishment in our place. Yes, and uh, yes. relied on, of course, uh, the resurrection, which uh, affirms those things. Yes. What yes, are your thoughts? I've
5: understood that quite clearly, but. Many of the churches I've been in actually, in a subtle way, say that I must also believe in the Trinity. Uh,
1: Yes, well, uh, Jesus... So is that an additional belief? What happens when someone becomes a believer in Christ and they will not understand the in-depth theological foundations of uh, what the Bible teaches. I'll
5: just interrupt you there because I've been saved many times in different churches and at that particular time I understood nothing about the Trinity and nobody informed me about the Trinity, but Mm. they still assured me that I was saved.
1: Okay, well I think, and uh, I'll get Stu's impression, but I'll give my uh, two bobs worth here before we hear from Stu. That understanding the complexity of the Trinity is not a prerequisite for salvation, but really as we look at who Jesus is, we might appreciate that he is the Son of God, but understanding the depth of the Trinity in the way that we do, Father, Son, Holy Spirit... Uh, three persons one God that takes a little bit of extra uh, reflection thinking even academic study to deeply understand that that's not Mm. going to happen in someone who is just looking for a purpose and understanding who Christ is and looking for that salvation. Stu what are your thoughts for Annie on this question?
2: I agree with you Neil on what you've just said there and I'd say uh, just to pick up on one thing that Annie said, and that is that people are, have assured her of salvation i would I would be very careful and and anyone listening here who's involved in leadership or counseling someone at an altar call or talking to someone who 's giving their life to Christ. I personally never say to the person, you know, you know, welcome to the family of God. You're a Christian now. You're saved because no one knows what's going on in the heart of someone and no one knows whether they've understood clearly and responded, you know, to the gospel. I mean, you've got a fair indication there. Sometimes I'd say to someone, look, if you're genuine about this decision to, to surrender to Christ, Then the Bible promises forgiveness for you and eternal life, you know. But there's a big if there, and I'd never say to someone, you're saved, because you just, I just think it's a dangerous thing to do. The Holy Spirit should be the one that is, uh, you know, brings that
1: assurance of salvation for someone. Thank you so much, Annie, for your call. 1-800-316-316 to join in this conversation. And that could get really deep if we get into uh, the Trinity and Mm. our understanding of that as Christians, because when we start to study more deeply our faith and affirm those things about Jesus, we discover that Jesus is the second person of the Trinity. Mm. Uh, when we're beginning to deepen our faith, mm. uh, these things, this process of deepening our faith ought to deepen the appreciation of what has happened to us in that mm. moment of salvation when we came to Christ and we received His mercy. Let's mm. take another call. Jody is on the line from Mora in Western Australia. Hello, Jody. Welcome. Thank you. What are your thoughts, Jody?
6: um, I just wanted to share a personal experience that I have had. So um, I bought a new vacuum cleaner a while ago and I was so excited about it because we had a really bad old one and I I was just excited to see my friends and tell them about my new vacuum cleaner. Anyway, I realized that that was uh, how I was meant to feel about Jesus. Like I was just meant to be excited and wanting to talk to people about him and I didn't feel that way. So I went on a bit of a journey and um, read some books and it kind of learnt um, led me to discover that Jesus has like good news for for all of life. That it's not this just like salvation once off good news, but that He wants to come and transform and bring His good news to you know my relationship with my husband and the way that I see people around me and everything. And since I have kind of learnt that and been going on that journey, I feel like um, I do just have testimony of Jesus that wants to just kind of bubble out of me. Like are you? Are used to feel like I kind of had to force sharing the gospel with people, but now it just comes really naturally because I do, I just have good news to share from, you know, from my life and for other people's life in the everyday things. I don't know if that makes sense.
1: That Mm. absolutely makes sense. Mm. I'm so glad you called to share that story because uh, if we're thinking of our salvation as only one moment when we first believed Mm. uh, we've missed something here and I love the way you describe Jody, this idea of all of these wonderful things bubbling up within me and I mm. can't help but share Jesus in those. Mm. Part of our testimony is going to be our own experience because mm. that's what we are. We are witnesses mm. and that means that we're telling people of our experience in the encounters that we have with God in our day to day life and our growth towards mm. maturity. Uh, what's your thoughts, uh, Stu, for Jody?
2: Absolutely. And I I think, um, you know, the kingdom of heaven, you know, uh, uh, the, uh, um, Jesus spoke about the kingdom is near and he talked a lot about the kingdom of heaven. and, And often people talk about the gospel of the kingdom. So rather than the gospel of salvation. So in the wider sense of the gospel, the gospel of the kingdom, you know, is the transforming work of, of God, not just uh, in in our in our lives, but in the whole of creation. Even you know, like there's a lot that's involved in that, and, and it takes a while to explain that. But uh, it's not just that point where you're saved, you're born again. Okay, because if, if that's all there was, Jesus may as well click his fingers, and we just all go to heaven and, and and straight away. Why why are we here? Why do we have you know? Why are we living out this life? There's there's more to it, obviously, in the Christian life. And the more closer we get to God, I think the closer we feel his heartbeat for the loss, the more excited we are about our relationship with him and the more that we want to share with others. And that's a, that's a really, really good thing.
1: Thank you so much to Jody from Mora in WA, 1-800-316-316. Interestingly, Stu, when I get feedback from people Mm -hmm. who talk about what they hear on 2020 and -hmm. uh, a little bit of a common thread that's come over the years, and this is the 10th year of 2020 now, uh, people often will say, I didn't know there were so many dimensions to talk about Mm -hmm. in my Christian faith. Mm -hmm. So if we were only talking about this salvation experience, Mm -hmm. uh, we might (laughs) run out of things to talk about, and perhaps not, but uh, we run out of things to talk about in a short while. But these Mm. dimensions of our faith where Mm. the bubbling up within us uh, applies to every dimension of our lives Mm. is what God has as a special place for us as we grow to be more like him. Because Mm. when our identity is in Christ, uh, we are growing to be more like him. Mm. And uh, that's what we're supposed to be doing as Mm. we are going through this process of Sanctification, becoming holy, becoming more sure. like Christ. Yep. I don't want to miss some. Sorry.
2: Yeah, I think the whole thing of the gospel of the kingdom versus the gospel of salvation. Some people see it as, as you know, uh, you know, sort of a competition. And I, I believe in the gospel of the kingdom, not of salvation, uh, as if it's some somehow mutually exclusive. But I would say, well, how can you be in God's kingdom without being saved? <laughs> yes. So it's like the door to get into the kingdom, but you don't stand in the doorway. You like know, you walk through the door. You're saved, and then. You go on, and the process of discipleship to become closer to to Christ, and to share that message with others, and help them through the door. But you know, like uh, First Corinthians fifteen, when it explains what the gospel it is, it says, talks about salvation in there through Jesus dying for our sins, and so it's very, very fair to say the gospel is the message of salvation. But it doesn't end there. The wider sense of the gospel is that that you know your journey with Christ.
1: Uh, only a few minutes left in our conversation, don't want to miss the opportunity to mention this idea because we've, we've talked about the proclaimer. Yes, things can go wrong. Mm. Uh, we've talked about the message. Well, the message is not wrong. The message is from God, and we've mm. got that affirmation there as we've read in the Scriptures. Uh, the, mess, the thing that can go wrong in the receiver, mm-hmm. uh, the idea that uh, the seed is sown into the soil, and uh, we've got this... Uh, uh, this uh, uh, wonderful parable of uh, of the, the sower, yeah. uh, different sorts of soil that the mm. message is being received in, and That's that right. has different responses, Stu, very yeah. quickly.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, and we can't be responsible for the response of someone. You know, they are responsible for their response, and it depends on the ground of their heart when you're pre- preaching the message because sometimes we, we preach the same message and see completely different results, and it really is up to the respondent as to how they respond to that message. And we can't be a bully or a high-power salesman and try to force them to pray a prayer. Uh, Let's not do that. Let's just relax, share the beautiful message of the gospel and allow the Holy Spirit to move on someone's heart and life. And, uh Neil, before we go, I just want to mention to the listeners that, that we do have, if you're, you're sort of thinking, hey, I want to share the gospel, but how do I put sin, righteousness, judgment, Jesus, the Savior, and Lord all into a package? How do I explain that in everyday language without using all my Christianese, my jargon? We've got an app that you can download in the App Store. It's available for Apple and for Android. Just type in G7 or Gospel in 7, and you'll see uh, a blue icon there. Uh, G7. It's a fantastic way of of being able to sit down with someone and take them through a gospel message. Don't need to memorize anything. It's all there in front of you. As long as you can read and tap on the screen, you can use it. Super easy. Hope it's helpful for people.
1: I always think after a conversation like this, I hope we haven't made things more complicated for listeners. Mm. And so when you talk about resources that are available, uh, those ideas of having an app like the G7 app uh, will just make it easier for people to utilize the technology of today to be Mm. able to deliver a, what would you call a a full, whole gospel message and then allow people Mm. to think on those things, reflect on those things, And in some cases, Mm. Stu, Mm. they will respond and say, yes, I want to be a follower of Jesus. And, Mm. uh, And that can happen. Uh, let me just point people to also to the train to proclaim website. Uh, there's lots of downloadable free resources there mm. where you can explore these things perhaps a little further. Uh, elements of the gospel, understand what it is that if you can be like uh, the lady who called in, uh, bubbling over. I loved, mm. I loved what she was saying, bubbling over with the things that God was doing in her day to day life and that leading to opportunities to share faith, share the gospel. Mm uh train to is the website train to proclaim.com and people mm-hmm. can get lots of good resources uh, downloadable mm-hmm. resources yep. it's not a website that's just about you know trying to sell a product mm-hmm. but there's lots of good stuff that you'll be able to find there let me also say and Stu I'll assume this is still the case yep. if someone wants to invite you to be a part of a evangelism seminar in their church mm-hmm. uh, they simply can contact you through the website you're sure. happy to respond absolutely Stu, thanks for being with us once again today on 2020. Thank you. Before you go, thanks for listening.
0: There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.